0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter Chris Fedor. And today, admittedly, there's not too much to talk about in the world of news and updates and this kind of that, this and that. But uh, we just kind of want to take an overall look at this off season for the Cavaliers because today is August 31st, and before we know it, it's going to be media day and it's going to be training camp for the Cleveland Cavaliers um, as September rolls around. So the summer is pretty much over um, and football season is beginning, which is where most of my time is going to be spent in the next couple of months. And then basketball will start um, in October. So Chris, when we look at this off season for the Cavaliers, you mentioned, um, well, you mentioned a couple of things, but the first thing, let's just take an overall look. I mean, we went into it saying they needed shooting, they needed size, they needed uh, depth yeah. and, and they got it uh, with um with Max Truce, with George Nyang, with, um, you know, some of the other additions that they made and some of the they kind of had some addition by subtraction. So what did you think overall of the game plan and how the Cavaliers executed it this offseason?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think I would start here and, and I know this might sound crazy for some people, um, considering the, the the talent level that already existed on this roster. And the accomplishments of certain players on this roster, like Darius Garland's been an all-star, Jared Allen's been an all-star. Evan Mobley was um, runner-up rookie of the year, runner-up defensive player of the year. Donovan Mitchell, his resume speaks for itself. Multi-time all-star, played with Team USA, uh, one of the best players at his position in the NBA. But Hayden, to me, like Max Struess is one of the most important players on this roster because he brings an element that they did not have. So I think if you start having any kind of conversation with the Cavs in terms of their offseason, you have to start with him because even though he has no all-stars attached to his resume, even though there are legitimate questions about how he's going to perform and how he's going to function away from Miami. There's always a danger in taking somebody out of the Miami Heat culture and bringing them to a new place and seeing whether they can take what they accomplished there and bring it to the new place. Like, that's a legitimate question, and I totally understand that. But what he means potentially to this offense, what he means to Darius, what he means to Donovan, what he means to the Cavs being able to figure out whether Evan Mobley and Jared Allen can function together um, long-term, I don't know how you put a value on that. So if you have any kind of conversation about the Cavs offseason, even though it wasn't a splashy move, even though um, Max Struess on his own isn't a landscape-shifting type player, bringing here to the Cavs and having them fill their greatest void Um, And not just from a positional standpoint, but from a trait standpoint, just in terms of shooting and off ball movements and spacing um, to me, like he has the ability to be um, a difference maker for the Cavs, even though he is not a difference maker on his own, if that makes sense.
0: It does. It does make a difference. It does. It does make sense. And uh, like I said, this Cavaliers team brought in a lot of things they needed shooting need some size. they need some wing help. Um, And all of that, uh, you mentioned before the podcast, uh, you were looking at David Aldridge, formerly of Turner, and now of uh, The Athletic, had a Mm. 1 through 30 of all the off-seasons in the NBA, and the Cavaliers ranked second. Why do you think that is? I mean, I think Hayden because he
1: sees everything that we have seen. Um, Even though it wasn't a splashy off-season, like, the Suns added Bradley Beal. Like, that's a huge name, right? The Boston Celtics added Christophs Porzingis, That's a huge name. They also extended Jalen Brown. Like, it wasn't that kind of offseason, but the Cavs didn't need that kind of offseason, right? It, like, the belief around the NBA um, is that the Cavs were a team that was poised to take the next step when they acquired Donovan Mitchell, and they did that. Um, they were able to advance to the playoffs. They got to the first round, but they got bounced by New York because some of their flaws were exposed. Um, And so for them to understand what the problem was in that series against New York and go out and address that, I think that's what people around the NBA, including David Aldridge, see. Um, They already have Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. What they needed to do this offseason was find complementary pieces, find guys that could understand their role, that could fit that role, and they could bring things to the organization that the organization didn't already have. Um, So I I think it was just a quality offseason by the Cavs, understanding their flaws and weaknesses and going out and addressing those with the best players available to bring the things that they needed to bring, like George Niang. And Max Struess were two of the best shooters on the market. And the Cavs got both of them. The Cavs obviously needed to find somebody um, that was an upgrade over Isaac Okoro, Karis Levert, somebody that would be a better fit as a starting caliber small forward in the league. And like nobody's saying that Max Struess is going to be a Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler or that caliber player. Like we understand that he has his own flaws, but. They finally have a starter quality wing, which is really, really important in today's NBA. Um, A starter quality wing that the belief is his skill set is going to fit well with the four most important players on the roster, um, the guys that I already mentioned. So so I think that's what it is. I, I think it's a recognition by the front office of what was needed for them to take another step forward. Them doing it. And people around the NBA noticing that.
0: I think it's uh I think it's pretty awesome that um that they you know like you said that they went out and addressed the needs, but we all know that it's about winning and it's about putting it together. So everything look. I mean, again, you look at the Cavaliers roster, top to bottom, at this point, and you got some really good. You got some really good pieces. You got some really good depth. Um, you know, it's now just a matter of where they are going to be. Last year, they were you know, top of the Eastern conference. And now it's looking at where they're going to be again in the Eastern conference Are did they do enough to kind of put themselves in the top four again, or did they, you know, are they going to be overtaken like by a team like Miami who got to the NBA finals and was an eighth seed or, you know, the Knicks who were worse than them, but obviously pummeled them in the postseason? So did they do enough to kind of get past all that and find themselves back over the, uh, in the top of that Eastern conference?
1: So this is the hard thing, right? When it comes to the Cavs, their judgment is going to come in April and May. I I think look, this team is not championship or bust. They're not set up that kind of way necessarily. But when you are a team like the Cavs and you flame out in the first round, the way that they did against the Knicks, and a lot of people going into that a lot of people going into that series against New York believed that the Cavs were the better team and had a strong chance of winning that series. So like, I don't want to say that they've accomplished everything that they've needed to accomplish in the regular season, but coming off a 51-win season, like that was a big step for the organization to take. But now the judgment isn't going to be, okay, can you go from 51 wins to 54 wins? The judgment's not going to be, can you go from the four seed to the one or the two seed in the regular season? Fair or not, the judgment's going to be, all right, let's see it in the postseason. Okay, we saw you in the regular season. And Donovan Mitchell was an MVP candidate type player. And Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell together were one of the best backcourts in the league. And Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, one of the most imposing frontcourts in the league. Like, that all happened in the regular season, and that was great, but let's see it in the postseason. And I think that's so hard to have that conversation about the Cavs without including that. So I can sit here and say that I think the moves that they made this offseason, bringing in the shooting that they brought in, bringing in the pieces that bring this thing together the way that they did, is going to make them, you know, a top four team in the Eastern conference. I can sit here and say that, but at the end of the day, it's all about, are they better equipped for a seven game series? Once they get to the playoffs, I believe that they are, but I can understand people wanting to take a wait and see approach to that sort of thing, because look like here's something that we have to bake into any conversation when it comes to the Eastern conference what is going on with the Philadelphia 76ers, right? They already have a new coach. Who knows what's going to happen with James Harden and what's going to happen with the Miami Heat? Are they going to get Damian Lillard or are they not going to get Damian Lillard? So like those two things still hang out there in the East and like it leaves the door open for a team like the Cavs. And for Boston, look, they lost their heart and soul in Marcus Smart. How do they replace that? Is that going to make them better? Is it going to work finally with the two Jays and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Milwaukee has some questions hanging out there as well. Even Giannis addressed those recently um, in a conversation with Tanya Ginguli from New York Times. Um, You know, this, this is an Eastern Conference that even though there are some really talented teams at the top of it in Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia, like those three teams have questions attached to them as well. And you can say the same thing about Miami. Um, so that's where I'm at when it comes to the Cavs.
0: Where are you at in terms of the, the regular season? Um, because like we said last year, 50 wins, you know, it it meant a lot. Um, got to the postseason four seed. And now it just feels like 50 wins. Wouldn't mean that much. Um, because the the ceiling has been raised and the uh, expectations are higher. So what is your biggest kind of – what do you want to see from them in the regular season? I mean, I obviously you want them to win games, but, like, is there anything that you want to see that during the regular season that would make them even more prepared for the postseason?
1: No, I, I don't think so, to be perfectly honest with you. And that's what this whole conversation when it comes to the Cavs is about, right? I think everybody is going to have the same feeling. No matter what they do – in the regular season, it's it's at a point now where you want to see it in the postseason. You want to see how it's going to better translate because you've seen them take them s- those steps that they needed to take in the regular season. We've seen them go from, you know, 20-something wins to 44 and then to 50. Like, the most important thing for the Cavs in the regular season, to me, Hayden, is avoid the play-in tournament, Right. If they do that, then to me, that's all that matters in the regular season. And And it's not to sit here and say that the regular season doesn't matter and there's nothing that the Cavs can do that's going to help them when the postseason rolls around. But I think the judgment of this team and the view of this team is going to be shaped. They've gotten themselves to a point, which is a good place to be. The view of this team is going to be about April and May, not about January, February. Like this is a young team that already took that step that that, you know, a team like Detroit is trying to take or a team like Orlando is trying to take or a team like the San Antonio Spurs is trying to take like the Cavs have taken that step. Now it's about a different level of judgment.
0: You got the lineup. You got the, li- you got your, you know, your starting lineup pretty much uh, I would assume for game one will be Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Struess, um, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. You got, uh, you got Karis LeVert back there. You got George Niang back there, um, mm. Ty Jerome, potentially, maybe Ricky Rubio. You got um, uh, Isaac Okoro. I mean, there's some, de- there's some definite depth with this Cavaliers team, Um who on the roster are we kind of not looking at right now? And who are the rosters kind of being like, you know, an X factor that might be a little overlooked or somebody who might be, you know, a bigger, bigger factor than we, we are kind of giving credence to right now.
1: I mean, I think given the uncertainty Hayden of Ricky Rubio, the answer has to be Ty Jerome. Yeah. You know, Ty Jerome is somebody that the Cavs have liked for a while. Uh, they tried to sign him. And then he went to Golden State. He was available again this offseason. They were able to bring him here. I think at the time that they brought him here, he was, you know, a third guard attached to an insurance policy in case Ricky Rubio couldn't regain the form that he had a couple of years ago. Now, I think, given everything that's going on with Ricky and him stepping away from basketball, um, and the uncertainty of whether he's going to come back to the team, when he's going to come back to the team, all of that um, makes it so that Ty Jerome has to show that he's capable of running the second unit, show that he's ready for a bigger role, going from the third guard to the backup guard on a team that has playoff expectations on a team that is still reeling from what happened in the first round against the Knicks and wants to get out of the first round of the playoffs. Like Ty Jerome didn't sign with the Orlando Magic, right? He didn't sign with the Charlotte Hornets. He signed with a team like the Cavs that has talent in front of him. But now his role is, it looks like it's going to expand a little bit more. And he's got to show that he's ready for that and that he's capable of handling that. And I think if he's not, then I think some attention has to go towards Karis Levert. Like he was a sometimes starter, sometimes backup. He was somebody that they prioritized re-signing in the offseason. He's somebody who's been in trade rumors for the last six months or so. Um, If Ty Jerome can't be that second creator Um, for the second unit, then all of a sudden, I think Karis Levert has to shift more into that kind of role. Um, but, but if Ty Jerome can handle that, if Ricky Rubio doesn't come back, then Karis doesn't have to be the playmaker, the initiator, and he can just focus on the things that, that have made him Karis Levert in the past.
0: I mean, obviously, the Cavaliers are going to go as Donovan goes and as Darius goes. Sure. I mean, how much better can they be? I mean, Donovan was an all-star last year, MVP candidate. Darius, maybe not as good a season as the year before. Uh, Jared, obviously, an all-star 2022 or twenty. Well, what year was it? Was it 21? 22. 22. Um, and was not last year. So where – how much better can those guys be and how much more can they give? And what is specifically, can they give the Cavaliers to kind of level up in going into this season? I just think there's a level of comfort that
1: they can have. That's going to be advanced from their first time playing together. You know what I mean? Like the natural growing pains that Darius and Donovan went through in terms of role, in terms of, on-ball, off-ball, in terms of how to create something together that translates to winning for the Cavs. Like, all of that stuff they've worked through already. Now it's just about going out there and hooping. And for all the conversation about Darius maybe taking a step back, because he had to, naturally, when Donovan came to the team, in terms of his voice, in terms of his leadership, in terms of how much the ball was in his hands, in terms of his responsibility within the organization, for all of that, Darius had a great year. A great year. His points per game were right on par with when he was an all-star. His assists went down a tick, but not to a level where you start to have any kind of concerns about it. His efficiency from three-point range went up. He shot the same as he did when he was an all-star. So his numbers were very, very comparable, Hayden, to when he was an all-star for the Cavs. So he played like one of the better young point guards in the Eastern Conference, despite, you know, trying to learn through some things and grow through some things when it came to him and Donovan playing together. So I just think I just think they're going to to click a little bit quicker at the beginning of the season um because they've already been through one season together and i don't know that there are numbers that i'm looking at for Darius or numbers that i'm looking at for Donovan that are going to let me know how good they are together i think it's all about how the cavs function as a team offensively and defensively and if these guys can help the cavs get to you know top 5 in the nba offensively then i think that will show um, the growth that they've made together.
0: What are you most worried about with this Cavaliers team? What what is there? Is there something that you're like, man, I don't know. Like, is this going to be enough? Or or is something that you're just like a little bit concerned about?
1: I mean, I think the legitimate concern is for me, as much as I'm bullish on uh, Max Struess and believe that he's going to be a quality fit in the starting five, um, and believe that that his skill set is something that the Cavs desperately needed, there's some built-in concern with him leaving Miami. Guys that leave the Heat do not go other places and flourish. That's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. So history is working against the Cavs. History is working against Max Struess. Stylistically, he's the kind of guy that the Cavs needed. Stylistically, he's the kind of guy that can help raise the ceiling of this team. But I've got some concern with him leaving Miami and whether he can be as effective as he was for the Heat. Um, that's one of the places where I have some concern. And I think there's a little bit of concern with the fact that the backup point guard, which which is a key role yeah. on any team, um, especially this one, with the freedom that that guy was supposed to get coming into the year, there's some concern for me when it comes to what version of Ricky Rubio is going to be there for the Cavs. Is Ricky Rubio going to be there for the Cavs? And if he comes back, what mental state is he going to be in? Um, And what physical state is he going to be in? Because, physically he just wasn't at a level where he could be as effective for the Cavs last year Hayden you saw that in the playoffs against the Knicks JB Bickerstaff quickly had to go away from Ricky because he just wasn't able um, to provide what the Cavs needed in that series against the Knicks so the Cavs were thinking to themselves well Ricky's going to be able to be further removed from his ACL injury sure but he's going to get some meaningful reps, some meaningful action with the Spanish national team um, on the international stage in a highly competitive environment that's going to have him physically ready um, when training camp rolls around and when the regular season rolls around. It was going to be like, use that as a springboard into the season. But now he's not now he's not going to have that. And now he's going to step away from basketball for who knows how long. And you have to ask yourself, if he does come back, like what version of Ricky are the Cavs going to get? So that is a big, big question. And like baked into that, as we talked about, is Ty Jerome, somebody who has never been in that role in his NBA career, is he ready for that with the expectations being what they are for this team? Um, so those are the two things that stand out to me. And the third thing to me, Hayden, is that, you know, for everything that happened in that series against the Knicks, one of the things that many of the players talked about was how the Knicks physically beat up the Cavs. Dean Wade talked about it. Darius Garland talked about it. Karis Lavert talked about it. It was a different level of physicality in the playoffs. Now, going through that once, feeling it, experiencing it, that's going to help them because they know what level they're going to have to get to in terms of physicality. But it's not like this past off season the Cavs went out and added somebody that brings that to them. You know what I mean? It's not like they went out and added P.J. Tucker, and that's where the physicality comes from, right? Or they added somebody like Dylan Brooks, and you're like, okay, because they brought those guys aboard, they added something to the roster that didn't already exist. Now the physicality is going to have to come from a mentality shift and it's going to have to come from Evan Mobley being in the weight room all summer and Jared Allen beefing up and realizing that he's got to get bigger and stronger. So it's it's like the one area that the Cavs didn't really address, but it's the area that can internally develop if these guys put in the time that they needed to this offseason
0: and all indications are that they did do that so we'll see yeah that's something we talked about immensely Um, over the after the playoff series is you know yeah a lot, of, a lot of the Cavaliers getting better is just on them it's on the improvement of the physical uh nature and the mental nature of the team and uh and I think that you're right we'll see how that kind of irons itself out and how they look in a couple of weeks of training camp. Is there anything else, Chris, uh, th- that we should be, you know, looking out for or that you want to mention before we kind of do get to training camp? Because again, it is quickly approaching.
1: No, I just think there's an opportunity here for the Cavs, obviously in the Eastern conference to capitalize on some uncertainty from some of the top tier teams. Um, and it's on them to make sure that they do capitalize on it. Uh, If that does manifest itself in the regular season, like if Boston does go through a stretch where they've got to figure out um, their identity and, and how they're going to look and play together without heart and soul Marcus Smart. If something happens with James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers, like if those things all come to fruition, then the Cavs have to make sure that they capitalize on that. Because that's the one thing that the Cavs do have on their side, Hayden, is that there's a lot of built-in continuity. There's a lot of built-in chemistry. Like, yes, they made additions to the roster, but they didn't significantly shake it up in terms of subtractions. I think Boston going from Marcus Smart to, like, Kristaps Porzingis, that's like completely different look that boston could have mm-hmm. right the 76ers potentially losing james Harden, and then making tyrese maxi step into that role in a bigger way like that's a lot different so when it comes to the eastern conference like the Cavs, they got better without subtracting The Hawks, you could say, are very, very similar to what they were last year. The Heat right now are very, very similar to what they were last year. The Knicks right now are very similar to what they were last year in terms of what they have coming back. And I think that is going to help those teams while the other teams at the top of the East are trying to work through things at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, it makes sense it's going to be a really really interesting season but like you said, you know it's the playoffs is where it matters. Cleveland's ceiling is completely different now their expectations are completely different um and it's a matter of you know where they're going to be I mean obviously you want to have a good seed going into the postseason but good seeds don't matter obviously uh, yeah. as the Miami Heat you know proved last year um when you get into the playoffs so, um, definitely going to be interesting to see the, you know, a new Cavaliers team, but not entirely new, you know, you have a good piece here in Max Truce, a good piece there and George Yang, you know, Karis LeVert coming back, Isaac Okoro coming back. I mean, other than that, you know, they, they don't really have a giant, um, rotation to begin with. So it's going to look pretty similar to last season outside of, you know, the two new right. shooters and, uh, and maybe another backup point guard.
1: Right. I mean, it's the same president of basketball operations. It's the same general manager. It's the same head coach. It's the same, for the most part, the same assistants. It's the same core four. It's the same top four in terms of your rotation. Um, It's an offense that's going to adjust, but the general idea of how they're going to function offensively and defensively is going to be the same. You know, I know, you know, so like Milwaukee is is trying to figure out a new coach. Philadelphia, new coach. Boston, new pieces. So it's just like that continuity for the organization is something that I think can certainly manifest itself. And I think it can help the Cavs a lot in the Eastern Conference. Um, at the same time, like, as you said, as I've said, Like, this doesn't mean that the regular season doesn't matter at all. But they are at a point with this organization. And when it comes to, like, the Donovan Mitchell situation that the Cavs are going to have to handle, like, it's going to matter what happens in April and May and June. And if this team, and this is an if, but if this team fails to make it out of the first round again, then I think you're going to see an organization that undergoes some change. So how do the Cavs, as an organization, how do the players handle that level of pressure that they haven't felt before, right? Like, there were more expectations when Donovan came aboard last year. There was more pressure when Donovan came aboard last year, but they were able to kind of go at their own pace. That's sped up a little bit now. And I'm curious how the players are going to handle that.
0: Yeah, it's it'll be it'll be a big test. There's no doubt. And like we've mentioned, you know, maybe they did do a lot of work on themselves because it was an embarrassing exit for a lot of them. And, uh, yep. you know, especially for Donovan and Jared Allen and, you know, some of the guys that really got beat up. Darius Carlin did not have a good series. So um, I think, again, a great motivator last season and going into this season. And it's exciting, you know, not only to have the new pieces, but to see if these guys really took it upon themselves to say, Hey, you know, last year wasn't good enough. You know, we need to be better. Um, Donovan Mitchell played his butt off the whole season. And then just in the postseason wasn't the same. Um, So he, he's got to figure out a way to be better. The Cavaliers have as a whole got to figure out a way to be better. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, this, this team and and how they kind of um, have improved from a year ago.
1: Yeah, I am too. Um, And I'm also, very interested to see. And I had a conversation with him about a month ago, coach JB Bickerstaff, and and how he was impacted yep. in a positive way. Yep. By not being at his best when the Cavs needed him to be, and being out coached by Tom Thibodeau in that first-round playoff series against the Knicks, as, as JB called it, it was his greatest lesson. That was his second time, Hayden, as a head coach being in a seven game series the first time he was with the Rockets they were playing against the Warriors nobody gave them a chance the dynasty level Warriors Um, so what did he learn how is he going to be better what kinds of changes is he going to make as a coach when it comes to his philosophy when it comes to his systems um, um, when it comes to his in-game adjustments when it comes to all of that kind of stuff I'm fascinated to see how that's going to play itself out as well because just like all of the players that need to take that next step and they needed to grow this off season based on what happened against
0: the Knicks. You can say the same thing for JB. Hell yeah. I mean, again, it's a huge year for him, a massive, massive, massive mm-hmm. year for him. Um, if things don't go well, that could be again, a, a very, very easy choice to make for, Kobe Altman for um, Dan Gilbert for the Cavaliers organization. Um, so given the way the NBA has gone over the last couple of years in terms of coaching, yeah, a big, big year for JB Bickerstaff. staff. So definitely, right. um, definitely got to show that he did learn and he's, and he's got to be better. There's no doubt. So, all yeah, right. I coach. mean, I think here's yeah. the
1: reality, Hayden. If, if a team fails to meet expectations, the first place that an organization typically typically looks at is, is the coaching staff. Yep. Um, and they ask themselves, is that because in the NBA, well, in any sport, really, that's easier to make a dramatic change than it is with a roster.
0: Right, right. No, for sure. I mean, it seems like there's always a good coach out there. They're a proven coach and there's always an up and comer out there. So there's always an opportunity um, for a new direction. So, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. All right. Um, anything else before we uh, continue even further into the off season and get closer towards the regular season?
1: No, I think that's about it. You know, training games yeah. about a month away at this point. That's crazy.
0: To yeah, think about. it is. It is. We got to just enjoy the rest of the sunshine of the summer. And then, <laughs> um, and then, you know, then it'll be basketball season before, you know, it and it'll be cold and it'll be uh, <laughs> all the good stuff. So that's what we enjoy. We'll enjoy being inside an arena instead of, uh, Instead of out and about and uh, in the freezing weather, but appreciate you, Chris, joining us. Thank you so much. Uh, We'll keep an eye out again. There's still plenty of moves to be made in the NBA. Um, I'm sure things will happen. Like I said, I've said multiple times over the course of this podcast over the summer, you know, last year, just September 1st, that was the Donovan Mitchell day. So things completely changed for the Cavaliers last year at this time. And uh, I don't know if that'll be the case again this year, but I think for any other NBA team, it's certainly on the table. Um, so there's plenty to look out for plenty to talk about and we hope you'll do it with us at cleveland.com slash Cavaliers or excuse me slash Cavs cleveland.com slash Cavs check out all of Chris's coverage uh, sign up for his subtext all kinds of news analysis notes and straight to your phone before Twitter or anywhere else $3.99 a month 14-day free trial all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs click the blue banner at the top of the page and your phone number and you will be just about ready to go so again Sign up for Chris's subtext. Read us at cleveland.com slash calves. And thank you for listening to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Thanks to Chris for coming on. We will talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Take care.